healed 2,000 years ago, He's going to heal today. Yesterday, today, forever. He's a healer. He'll always be a healer. Amen? And praise God we can receive from Him if we need healing. Sometimes our bodies need quickened. That means to make alive. Amen? And the Bible even says, If the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken or make alive your mortal body by His Spirit. He's in the quickening business. Amen? He likes to quicken dead things. Make things alive. Amen? Your broken projects are His delight. Your broken body is His delight because He loves to fix broken things. You know, when I was growing up, my father, my earthly father, he's with Jesus now, having a great time, I'll tell you that. And uh, he was a Mr. Fix-It-All. I didn't inherit that gift. You know what I'm saying? He could fix anything. It may not look real pretty, but he could fix it. <laughs> Isn't that right, Lynn? <laughs> we had a calendar one time, this wall calendar. It was like a frame thing, and it broke, you know, and... Dad, can you fix? Oh, sure, I can fix that. We got it. There was nuts and bolts hanging out the side of it, you know, when we got it back. <laughs> it was fixed. <laughs> but uh, anyway, he could fix pretty much anything, motors, especially small engines and things like that, you know. And, and uh, But, uh, you know, whatever, if it broke, I would take it to him and he would fix it, okay. And uh, my point being is this, is our Father, our Heavenly Father knows how to fix broken things. It doesn't matter if it's a relationship. It doesn't matter if it's a, your body. It doesn't matter if it's your finances. I mean, it could be anything. He's a master at fixing broken things. Praise God. Sometimes things need restored. Sometimes, sometimes things need fixed. Praise God. But He's good at doing that. Amen. Hallelujah. Do you have your Bibles this morning? Praise the Lord. You all mind if I take my jacket off this morning here? It's a... <laughs> okay, I'll do that. <laughs> Thank you, Father. Let's see here. Praise God. We never did finish last week. I mean, that was a precious move of God last week, wasn't that? I'll tell you, God just moved and spoke and ministered to us. And all the years I've pastored church, churches, I tell you, I've never, uh, I was telling the family this, we were talking about this, there would be occasions where God would move through prophecy or tongues interpretation, but it was, it was really spread out. It was really spread out, you know. But it seems like in the last, oh, four or five months or so, you know, that God has been coming. And it's something that you don't conjure up. It's not something that you, you know, stir up yourself, so to speak. You know what I mean? That I, God, is, God is beginning to speak a whole lot more through tongues, interpretation of tongues that's in 1 Corinthians, amen, or prophecy. And He wants to speak to us. He wants to minister to us. And you never know when it's going to come, amen. But it's always refreshing when it does come, amen, to bring refreshing to the body of Christ. And, and uh, even in my own life, back in, in, the, in my office, in my home, and even at night when I'm sleeping, I can hear the spirit of prophecy rising up on the inside of me. I hear the words in my mind. That happened this morning as well. One of the things I'll be sharing with you, a revelation that came to me this morning, I'll be, be part of our message here today, that, that came to me by the Holy Ghost, by the Spirit of God, things I didn't even know. But let's pray for, first of all and foremost before we get into the Word. Father, we, uh, we set our hearts, we set our minds 
on that which is, as you said in Colossians 3, 1, if you be risen with Christ, seek those things which are from above, where Christ sitteth at the right hand of God the Father. Set your affections on things above, not on things upon this earth, for you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Father, I thank you that we are hid with Christ in God today, Father. Just like a newborn baby is hidden in the mother's womb, we are hidden in you, Father. Hallelujah. So, Lord, today give us utterance. Give us wisdom. Help us to decree and declare that which you are decreeing and declaring from heaven in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's go to the uh, book of Proverbs for a minute here in Proverbs chapter 18. Proverbs chapter 18. We've been uh, talking about the subject of the spoken word, the spoken word of God, and how that when we put the word of God into our mouth, that's what's going to be the cutting edge difference that's going to turn the tables. Matter of fact, before we go to Proverbs, Josh, go over to uh, Romans chapter 10. Starting in verse 8, Romans chapter 10, starting in verse 8. And I want to show you something here about the subject of confession and the power of speaking God's Word because there's been much contention sometimes in circles along this line. And, uh, but I want you to see something here. We're going to look at, you see, we have to base our belief system on the Word of God. All right? We don't base our belief system on Brother Doodad just because he said something. Amen. Okay? Or for myself included, all right? Our, our belief system has to be rooted in the word of the living God. Now, notice it says here, but what saith it? The word is nigh thee. How nigh is it? Or that means near. It is in thy mouth and in thine heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Now, notice Paul the Apostle said this, we preach the word of faith. Next verse. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus... Shalt believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Next verse. Notice this. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now notice that phrase right there, that scripture right there. For with the heart, the heart, that's the real you, the spirit of you, with the heart Man believes unto righteousness, but notice this, with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. There cannot be any salvation without confession. Can you agree upon that, upon the Word of God? Now, whether you said it yourself or just underneath your breath or something, it's still a form of confession. For with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth, with the mouth, confession, say with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Now what's interesting about this word salvation? I believe it's the word sozo, isn't that right? Salvation, S-O, not bozo, sozo. <laughs> it's the Greek word sozo. And it, and it implies healing, deliverance, preservation, soundness, hallelujah, so when he said, for with a heart man believeth unto righteousness, with a mouth confession is made unto. Now we think of salvation, we think of just in terms of being delivered from sin. That's not incorrect, that's just incomplete. 
Okay? It's the word sozo. With a heart you believe and with a mouth confession is made unto salvation. This is how everything works in the kingdom of God. Is you, you believe it in your heart and you say it with your mouth and then it comes to pass. Hallelujah. How many of you here ever made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? Lift up your hand. Okay? Now how many of you did that with your mouth? With your heart and with your mouth? Amen? Now, at that point, when that happened, did you know that's the greatest miracle that, it ever, that has ever happened in this earth and you just walked into it? It didn't just happen to you. You activated it. You activated it. You believe it in your heart, said it with your mouth, bam, there it became vital, a part of your life. You just received the greatest miracle that will ever be on the planet. You literally went from dark spiritual darkness to spiritual life in a split second by believing something in your heart, saying it with your mouth, and you already received the biggest miracle that already exists. A brand new bona fide babe in Christ. You became a new creature in Christ Jesus. You received the greatest miracle already. Now, if you've already lifted 500 pounds, what's 25 pounds? Do you get my point? You've already got the biggest miracle by saying it with your mouth, Jesus, I believe in you. <laughs> And you, it became vital, became a part of you. And you received the new birth, greatest miracle that exists. And guess what? It can't even be seen with the natural eye. The greatest miracle that exists on this earth is not someone's arm or leg growing up. That's important. That's powerful. That's important. But the greatest miracle is the new birth that can't even be seen with the natural eye. I remember the time when I received Christ in May of... May of uh, 1976, when I made Jesus the Lord of my life. At that point, I knew something drastically happened on the inside of me. Now, it's interesting because when you realize that you're going from a place of strength, I think this is going to help us a lot today. When you realize that you've already got the biggest, you've already received the biggest miracle that exists, the new birth, anything else that you receive from God is on a lower order but you've already received the greatest miracle that exists. Like I said, if you can lift 500 pounds, what's 25 pounds? You, you, see what I'm saying? So when you understand the fact that you've already got the biggest miracle by believing in your heart, saying with your mouth, and it came to pass in your life, the same thing is true. Every promise of God that you receive in this life comes by believing in your heart, saying it with your mouth. Now, the problem we have sometimes is in the natural because the new birth is spiritual instantly, okay? Yeah. But what about when you're believing for healing and you're believing for financial situation to change in your life, okay? That's in the natural, so it's going to take some time in the natural for things to change. God alters things, changes things. His angels are working. And just because you don't see, these, see what you're praying for or confessing with your two eyeballs doesn't mean that it's not happening. There's a lot that takes place behind the scenes before you actually see it with your eyes. But that doesn't mean it's not happening. Amen? When Daniel prayed, for example, in the Bible, it says the very first day that he prayed, angels were sent. Amen? He's thinking, what's the delay here? You ever think that before? What's the delay? 
Here's what came up in my spirit this morning. I feel like this is the right time to share this. Do not, now, 1 Peter chapter 4 says, uh, verse 12, I think it is, it says, Don't think it strange concerning the fiery trial which you're encountering. Think it not strange as though something unusual were happening to you. But rejoice. Say rejoice. rejoice. Hallelujah. Anybody, anywhere that's ever received from God has had resistance. Do not think it's strange when you believe God that things look worse from the natural. So I just prayed for my son. I prayed for my daughter. I prayed for this. And it looks like it got worse after I prayed. Well, the devil's a sense devil, S-E-N-S-E. He tries to work in the natural to get you to get your eyes on the natural instead of what God is already telling you. But I'll tell you, God is moving when you start to pray. Instantly, he begins to move. Instantly. There's no delay on his part. We just have to be patient enough to realize God is doing some things. God is working some things behind the scenes right now. It's just a matter of time before I see it with my eyes. Amen. Then I tell you, the very second that you pray, God begins to work on your behalf. Amen. Now, if you go to Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21... And before I read this again, anybody in the Bible that ever stood for anything had resistance. But that's of little difference to the Lord. (laughs) When Peter stepped out on the water at the command of the Lord, when Jesus said, come, Lord, bid me to come on the water if that's you. Jesus said one word. He just said, come. Okay. He stepped out on the water and he began to walk on the water. Amen. He walked on the water. Where's the other disciples? In the boat, (laughs) playing it safe, all right? Being cautious, playing it safe. But at least Peter had enough gumption to step out on the water when his professional training told, I mean, this guy's a professional fisherman. You know that, don't you? Peter, John, amen. I mean, they lived on the water. They grew up on the water. Their father was a, a, a fisherman, you know? This never happened before. Their training told them from the very beginning, you can't walk on the water. You cannot do this. You will sink. (laughs) So all of his past experience was saying, you can't do this. Forget it. You're going to fail. Right? Well, guess what? He stepped out at the command of Jesus. He began to walk on the water. Did he not? And he was walking to Jesus. Hallelujah. Can you imagine that? Just walking on top of the water. He wasn't, you know, jet skiing. (laughs) water skiing he was walking on the water he was okay until the devil through circumstance began to make the wind and the waves you know what I'm saying in the natural and all of a sudden there's waves and winds and he got his eyes he took his eyes off Jesus just for a moment you ever notice that as soon as he took his eyes off Jesus he began to sink now, as long as his eyes were on him, he was fine. He was walking, I mean, he was walking supernaturally on top of that water. Hallelujah. He was doing okay. What if he would have kept his eyes on Jesus? He would have never got wet. He wouldn't have got wet at all. But when he got his eyes off Jesus, he looked at the circumstances, he began to go under. Now, how many of you know you don't just begin to go under when you, 
You know, have you ever jumped off the side of a pool or a diving board? you ever do that before? I have. You don't just begin to sink. I mean, you're done sunk. You jump off, that's it. Hallelujah. This was a process, but he began to go under because he got his eyes on the wrong thing. Now listen to me very carefully. If you're married, you need to be an encourager to one another to walk in faith. And don't get mad at your husband or your wife if they correct you for your unbelief. I'm not saying it means spirited, but I'm saying two are better than one, the Bible says, right? Amen. You always want to do things with the spirit of love, not I told you so, I got you. You know what I'm saying? You always want to do things with respect. Number one, respect. Husbands, respect your wives. Wives, respect your husbands. Amen. Show utmost respect for your children. Okay? Do you know you can still correct someone but be respectful? Did you know that? Because that's showing honor and showing love. Even when the Lord chastises us, He's not mean-spirited about it. He didn't slap you upside the head and say, What's wrong with you? What did you screw up for? That's not the way God acts. Now, sometimes people act that way, but God is very, very, very patient. And He works with us. And He doesn't give up very easily. He keeps working with us. Peter began to sink. For The, the only reason he began to sink was... He, he started out walking on the water. That's a miracle. How many of you know that's a miracle? But when he started to look away, the enemy stirred up some wind which create waves. You all agree with that? It's the wind that creates the waves. He stirred it up. Now, what does the waves have to do anything with walking on the water? Nothing. I mean, if the lake was completely calm, you still couldn't walk on the water in the natural. <laughs> like a sheet of glass, you know what I'm saying? You've seen it like that, no wind, nothing, you know? Try to walk on the water then, it's not going to be any better. You're still going to sink. So it wasn't the wind, it wasn't the waves that caused him to sink. It was his, he got his eyes off of Jesus Christ, who's the living word, okay? Now, God wants all of us here to walk on the water. Now, brother, do you mean literally? Well, let me put it to you this way. If you had to, he would give me the faith to do it. Okay? But you can walk on the water in circumstances in life when everybody else is sinking, you can be walking above the circumstances. You can. Amen? And that's why the devil tries so hard to isolate people when they're under attack it's not an unusual thing that when you hear the Word of God, the Scripture tells us in Mark chapter 4, Satan comes immediately when the Word of God is sown in the hearts of people. He comes immediately to try to take away the Word that was sown in your heart. And Jesus said, it's an open book test. He shows us exactly what He uses. Cares of this life, deceitfulness of riches, lust of other things. Entering in, choke the Word, and the Word of God becomes unfruitful. Amen? In and, and Mark chapter 4, it's an open book test. Jesus tells us five different things. Persecution, affliction arises for the Word's sake. So not everybody will be happy with you. Some of your friends won't be exactly happy with you for serving God. Now listen, 
Don't ever try to conform to the world to be like them. Okay? You be like Jesus and let them conform to you. Well, brother, what if I, what if I lose that friend? You got nothing to, there's nothing to lose. Okay? When I got born again and I got filled with the Holy Ghost, I lost some friends. Okay? But they weren't real friends. Okay? But for the ones that I lost, God gave me ten other good ones. Praise God. And I'm so thankful for that. Because of pressure sometimes. Pressure. People want to please other people. Conform to what they do. You don't want to do that. You're going to be miserable. Your spirit man is going to be miserable. To be just like the world. Are you with me now? Amen. The choir. You hear that back there? Praise the Lord. Okay. Proverbs chapter 18 verse 21. Says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's go over now to uh, Hebrews chapter 3. This is where we left off last week. We didn't, we didn't even actually share on this last week. But in Hebrews, pardon me, uh, Hebrews chapter 3, Hebrews chapter 3. Thank you, Lord. So think it not strange when you're believing God that you've got things that rise up against you. Resistance in the natural. Think it not strange. That's par for the course. When it, when it comes to believing God, you will have some type of resistance. But you know what? You can endure that. You can work through that. God will give you the courage and give you the strength to work through that. I'm telling you what, you can, have, you can believe in God for physical healing for your body, but don't be alarmed by those physical symptoms. Don't be alarmed. I'm not saying don't pay attention to them, but don't be alarmed by physical symptoms in your body. Don't let that throw you off, okay? Let the Word of God move you. Hallelujah. Are you ready? In, in, in Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 7. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for helping me give this out. Wherefore, as the Holy Spirit saith, Today, if you hear His voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation. In the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works for 40 years. And he says here, Wherefore I was grieved with that generation, and said, They do always err in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I swore my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. Okay? Take heed, brethren, lest there be any of you, notice this, of an evil heart of unbelief. Do you see what God considers to be an evil heart? heart of unbelief. That's what God considers to be an evil heart. Now, I don't know about you, but there's been times I've had an evil heart of unbelief. <laughs> it might help you to know that. Okay? Because sometimes people think, pastors, man, you got it made in the shade. It just comes smooth, smooth to you. It's easy for you. I mean, it's just like that, like clockwork. It just works so easy. There's no resistance at all. I beg your pardon. 
Hallelujah. But notice God says, an evil heart is a heart of unbelief. Say unbelief is evil. Now we think about adultery, fornication, stealing, those kind of things. Those are evil, right? Of course they are. According to God, they are. But God lumps everything. He says that, that if you have a heart of unbelief, that's an evil heart. Because that's a heart that just refuses to believe what God said. Okay? Now let's read on here. I want to show you something here. Um, where were we? Verse... Uh, yeah, 12. Take heed, brethren, lest any of you have an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily while it is called day, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. While it is said, Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. For some, when they heard, did provoke. Howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses, but with whom he was grieved for forty years, was it not with them that had sinned whose carcasses fell in the wilderness, to whom swore he that they should not enter into rest, but to them that believed not? But we see they could not enter in because of unbelief. Now, we know that Paul here, I believe, is the writer of Hebrews. He is referring to the um, Israelites coming out of Egyptian bondage for 410 years, okay, in bondage, in slavery in Egypt. And the time came where God says, now's the time for deliverance to come. Well, I thought sometimes I've had problems for a couple of years. How about 410 years? Something to think about, huh? But God says this. You know that he sent Moses. He saw the affliction. He saw the persecution. He saw the, the, the cruelty that was being demonstrated on the behalf of the Egyptians towards the Israelites in cruel slavery. How many of you know slavery is a bad thing? Amen. And God wants to deliver people from that kind of bondage. That bondage you know what I'm saying? And we see here that God brought them out with an outstretched arm did ten signs and wonders in Egypt, literal ten signs, and there was ten of them, signs and wonders. And, uh, and then the, the final thing was he brought judgment on all their firstborn. Remember that? And then here God brings them out. I'm just kind of sharing a little bit here. God brings them out of Egypt, you know, and in a supernatural fashion, over two million Jewish people, Hebrews, <laughs> coming out of Egypt. And the Bible says that when they left Egypt, they plundered the Egyptians. They went and they barred silver and gold and clothing and raiment, and they spoiled the Egyptians. Okay? And the Bible says in Psalms, I believe 105 or something like that, it says, God brought them forth out of Egypt with silver and with gold, and there was not one feeble or sick person among their tribes. Two million Jews and not one sick person? Nowadays, it's hard to find 20 Christians and not one that's not sick. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But here we got 2 million Jews, slaves, and God brings them out of Egypt with an outstretched arm, and there was not one feeble or sick person among their tribes. Now, 
When you see the movie like the Ten Commandments, Cecil B. DeMille, I like that movie with the exception. With the exception. That people are coming out in crutches and stretchers and everything, you know, and, you know, got somebody walking out like this, they're just, and ducks are falling behind them and everything, and geese and whatever. And it does show that, you know, <laughs> I'm not making it up. Now, thank God they got delivered, but the Bible, that's not accurate because when God led them out of Egypt, out of bondage for 410 years, He brought them out with an outstretched arm, and there was not one feeble or sick person among their tribes. Amen. Is that Psalm 105? Somebody can look it up. He brought them forth with silver and gold. There was not one feeble or sick person among their tribes. I think it's Psalm 105. I might be wrong. Praise the Lord. Anybody find that? All right, praise the Lord. Yep, here we go. He brought them, God brought them forth also, also with silver, with gold. How would you like to have some silver and gold? Anybody here? Two people. Okay. How would you like to have some silver and gold? Okay. Now listen, they didn't work. <laughs> Hallelujah. The women should be like, yeah, baby. He brought them forth with silver and with gold, all right? And it says there was not one feeble person among their tribes. Over two million Hebrew slaves. Something's going on here. He brought them forth. Now, it would have been okay just to say he just brought them forth, but now he says with silver and with gold. Notice they didn't work for the silver and the gold. Amen. Do you know the Bible says that the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just? Did you know that? And before Jesus Christ comes back, I believe that the church, this is a type, a prototype of the church. Before Jesus Christ comes back, there's not going to be one feeble or one sick person that's, that's a Christian. Not one. It's going to be wiped out. Amen. That's a prototype. We're the real deal. All right? Silver and gold being transferred into believers. Now, some, I used to hurt, hear that. I think, what do you mean, silver and gold being transferred? You know, and then I realized it's biblical. Okay, now don't try to figure out how that's going to happen, when that's going to happen, or who it's going to come through. There's only one person we need to be looking to, and that's God Almighty. Amen. My point being is this, is God brought them out supernaturally out of Egypt, Egyptian bondage, you know. And then He leads them to a situation where it looked like this is a dead end road. Here they come to the Red Sea. This, this Red Sea crossing is at Nueva Beach. You can see it, it's still on Google Maps, you can see it. It's the only place where they could have crossed. There was a road, there was a dry riverbed that ran all the way through the Sinai Peninsula, they, God led them down through this way and they led them out right at this beach, okay? It's a dead end road because you got the beach in front of you. You got the mountains on both sides of you. They're impassable, it says. Then you got the Egyptians that are coming on the same pathway. They're coming at you, okay? You know, it's really interesting about this, Brother Ron Wyatt. You know, if you ever did any Ron Wyatt, if you look him up on, on uh, uh, Google, you find out that he did research and he used the Bible as his archaeological map. 
instead of science. He used the Bible where they could have passed. And he sent down, he went down there and did some deep sea dive and went down there and found out there's only one place at this Nueva beach that crosses over into Arabia, okay? Because in Arabia, Saudi Arabia is where Mount Sinai is, okay? Still to this day. It still has a blackened peak. It's the only mountain over there. You can find this, I'm telling you, if you look up, up Ron Wyatt. And I've seen pictures, all kind of pictures of it. It's the only mountain that has a burnt peak because that's where the presence of God would come down upon it. Okay? And it wasn't volcanic. It was burnt by the power of God. And it's still there to this day. Now, there's only one place that they could have crossed the Red Sea, this sea right here. Because uh, if you remove the water, there's cliffs and there's valleys. There's no way, even if the water was removed, that they could have walked through there. Okay? Are you with me now? There's only one place there was an underground road that was smooth that once the water was removed, they could walk straight across. He found the place. He went down there. And guess what they found on the bottom of this, this, uh, the Red Sea? They found horse skeletons, chariot wheels from the time of Pharaoh. Okay? And the coral preserved it because it surrounded it and preserved it for such a time as this. It's the only place on the bottom of the Red Sea. It's still there to this day. There's there's horse skeletons, chariots, and a bunch of femur bones from the Egyptians that were drowned in the Red Sea. Amen. I mean, this is better than any, any movie you could ever see. Okay? And there's evidence that it's all there. And then when they crossed over, I'm not trying to be an archaeologist here this morning, but I guess I am. If you look at their pathway, and they went to where there was... a. The, the palm trees, and there was 12, I think it was 12, I think it was 12 uh, wells of water that are actually still there that the, uh, the, uh, the Hebrews drank from. And then when they got over to where Mount Sinai was, there was uh, they ran out of water. So they cried out with water. God said, strike the rock. Remember that? Mm-hmm. He struck the rock, and out, out of this rock came millions and millions of gallons of water. It's called the split rock of Horeb, H-O-R-E-B, Okay. And there's pictures you can see about this. Were you here when I showed that once before? And the rock is about 150 feet tall. It's not some little rock here. The rock is split right down the middle. And there's, there's much evidence of extreme water erosion around where the water came out. And all over in that part of the country, they get less than an inch of water per year. It's the desert. Okay? So how could there be millions of gallons of well, that's the rock that God said strike that. And it just gushed out and it fed their cattle, their children, and everything. They had plenty that were there. Okay? So, why am I saying all this? To show you this, that God did a series of miracles for the Israelites. Starting at the, the plagues in Egypt, you know, the supernatural deliverance. There was light in Goshen, but there was darkness in Egypt. God made a distinction between His people and the people uh, that were of the world, of Egypt. Okay? While there was darkness in Egypt, there was light in Goshen. Hallelujah. That's God's people. So they saw a constant demonstration of God's power and God's willingness to protect them and to keep them and also to provide for them even when they went out in the wilderness. Even when they belly ached and they complained and they came to the bitter waters of Marah 
And they went over to drink and they realized it was bitter and they couldn't drink it. God instructed Moses to throw, to cut down a branch and throw it in the water and the bitter waters were made sweet. That's a type of the cross. Thrown into our bitter waters and it becomes sweet. Amen? So you would think, after all these constant miracles, and that's why I'm referring to this scripture in Hebrews, they saw a constant working of God's provision and protection and deliverance. And, and, and not, not only that, their shoes didn't wear out for 40 years. Now think about that. Have any of you ever had shoes for 40 years? I don't think so. Their clothes didn't wear out for 40 years. You know that's supernatural. There's no malls out there in the wilderness to buy stuff from. God kept them. Okay? So, up to this point, by now, you would think the Israelites are like, I remember back when this happened and then that happened. We ran out of water, we ran out of food, and God did this. And then constant miracle after miracle after miracle. And you would think... That those supernatural experiences alone would be enough sufficient to build their faith on the inside of them. But it wasn't. Because they failed to enter into the promised land. God's ultimate desire was to bring them into the promised land. A land that flows with milk and honey where there's all these provisions. The Lord was endeavoring to bring them into that. But along the way, God tested them to see if they would believe Him. Now God doesn't test us with evil things. Okay, don't get me. The Bible says, let no man say he's tempted when he's tempted. If God doesn't bring temptation for you to sin, he doesn't do that. The enemy does that. But God will look at your heart. And he'll ask you, are they going to trust me this time? When their back's up against the wall, are they going to fall to pieces? Are they going to fall apart and say, this stuff doesn't work? Or are they going to stand strong? Are they going to believe God? Amen? See, when everything's good and everything's fine and everything is divine, <laughs> everything's coming in, it's easy to shout the victory and shout the victory. But when it looks like it's not working, what do you do then? I've been there more times than I like to think. But I believe that what God said is the truth. He cannot lie. If God lied one time, we'd have to throw every Bible out We'd have to throw the whole experience out, the new birth, everything. Throw it out the window because it doesn't work. But it does work. Okay? We just have to be strong enough to outlast temptation. We have to be strong enough and get some roots on the inside of us to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible says. We're to endure hardness as a good soldier. I had some friends, Christian friends, through the years, I look back 30 plus years, that at one time in their lives, they were serving God with vim and with vigor and with joy and with excitement. God was doing stuff in their lives. And then some things happened in their lives, some roadblocks and some things came up in their lives. Lynn and I could, we'd go back a long way, you know. 1800s. <laughs> <laughs> But I run, we've been around long enough to see that because of circumstances, pressure, cares of this life, deceitfulness of riches. Yeah. I knew one guy, he was, man, he was on fire for God, I'm telling you what. 
and he started this business. He got involved in this thing, this financial thing. He got super wealthy. All of a sudden, it got to his head. That's called deceitfulness of riches. Now, riches don't have to deceive you. This deceitfulness of riches is thinking that if I get money, it's going to make me happier. No, it won't. Because the next time you get depressed, go sit in that big expensive car and see if your depression leaves. Or that house. Because it's not going to leave. Okay? It's not those things that make you happy. It's Jesus that makes you happy. We've got to get our peace and our joy from Him first. Okay? And then he can, we can entrust us with anything in the earth. Okay? Hallelujah. So what, what I'm saying is this. They saw a constant barrage of God's supernatural power. And God expected them to believe um, the next time something came up that they kept failing the test. Oh, would the God that we were back in Egypt. Remember they kept saying that? We could sit by the flesh pots and have cucumbers and onions and leeks. Yeah, and have bad breath too. That's what they kept thinking. We had it better back in Egypt. Every time they get under pressure, let's go back to Egypt, you know. That's insanity. Amen. And it says they could not enter in because of unbelief. The only people that entered into the promised land, you know that, and the people 20 years and under, under them were Joshua and Caleb. And so while I'm on that, go to Hebrews chapter 4. You're there in 3, but just go to chapter 4 here and we'll, we'll conclude here today. In Hebrews chapter 4, this is talking about the Israelites. Let us therefore, verse 1, let us therefore fear or have respect, lest the promise being less left us of entering into rest, lest any of you should come short of it. Now verse 2 says, For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. That means good news, right? But the word, verse 2, but the word that was preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. He's talking about the Israelites. They didn't mix faith with what God said. Verse 3, For we which have believed do enter into rest, as he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, they shall never they shall enter into my rest, although their works were finished from the foundation of the world. First, verse 4. For he spake in a certain place on the seventh day of the wise, and God did rest uh, the seventh day from all his works. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest. Verse 6. Seeing therefore there remaineth that some must enter therein, they to whom it was first preached entered not because of unbelief. And again, a limited, he limited a certain day, saying, David said, Today, if you, for so long a time, as it is said, Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Well, we can see from this scripture here, the phrase, harden not your heart, is used a couple of times. Which means today, if you hear God's word or God's voice, same thing. Do you know we have the choice to either harden our hearts or soften our hearts? Well, Brother Keith, I thought the Bible says that God hardened the heart of Pharaoh. Doesn't the Word say that? Yeah, it does say that. But let me say this. Let me submit this to you. The same sun that will melt wax will also harden clay. Okay? It depends on the condition of the person's heart. Pharaoh was super rebellious. Okay? Say super. <laughs> he was super rebellious. Boy, I tell you, it just shows with all the plagues and things that happened. Every single time he'd harden his heart and say, no. 
Gonna have it my way, not Yahweh. <laughs> my way. <laughs> Hallelujah. And he just kept resisting. Every time God would say, let my people go that they may come and worship me, he'd say, okay, I will. No, I back off. He kept doing that. He kept doing, he kept back, he kept hardening and hardening his heart. But see, in this case here, he's talking to the Israelites because God told Moses, who was the leader of all the Israelites, in Numbers chapter 13, verse 1, we won't go there because of time, but he says, I want you to send up 12 spies into the promised land. I want you to spy out the land. There was 12 tribes in Israel, right? So he said, send a leader up from each one of the tribes. That's 12 leaders from 12 tribes. They spied out the land for 40 days and 40 nights. They came back after, after spying out the land. And they brought, brought back proof of the promised land. And they had fruit carried between their shoulders. Pomegranates and grapes and things like that to show it surely is a land that flows with milk and honey. You remember the story? But God already told them in Numbers 13, He says, look, I've already given you the land. I'm not going to. I've given you the land. Go up and check it out before you go in. Hallelujah. Now, He didn't send them up there to see if they could go in. He says, I've given you the land. So what happened? You get 12 spies that came back. They came back after 40 days, 40 nights, and the Bible says 10 of them, 10 out of 12. <laughs> There's only two that had a good report, Joshua and Caleb. The 10 came back and said, yeah, it's good, but. They got their butts in the way. It's good, but. There's giants in the land. It's good, but. There's this. Excuses. But Joshua and Caleb said, hey, they're bread for us. God already said, you know, it belongs to us. They're going to be bread for us. Let's go up and take it now. And they got so mad at them because they had faith. They wanted to stone them. Think about that. The Bible says they had another spirit, Numbers 14. They had another spirit on them. What was the spirit of faith? What's the spirit of faith? What God says is the truth. And if God said it, that's all that matters. <laughs> That's all that matters. If God said it, hey, it doesn't matter how big the giant is. They could be 25 feet tall. It doesn't matter. They're bread for us. Hallelujah. Listen, if God gave you a word in His word and He spoke to you personally about anything, those giants that seemingly stand in your way are nothing but dust. They cannot stand in your way. They're going to have to fall to their knees because the word of the Lord is the truth. It will come to pass. Well, when it says here that the word that was preached to them didn't profit them. What was the word? I've given you the promised land. Go up and possess it. Go up and you know, give a sneak, get a sneak preview of it. Praise God. I might preach this morning here. And he goes up there. <laughs> and they came back, but they didn't believe the word that was preached to them. What was the word preached to them? It's yours. You have it. It's your land. The only two out of 12 that came back that believed it. Now, they all could have, but only two chose to believe God, and that was Joshua and Caleb. Praise God for Joshua and Caleb. Hallelujah. They just chose to believe God. Now, the other leaders could have and should have, but they didn't because they didn't mix faith. Amen? A number of years ago, it was the funniest thing, way, way, many, many years ago, you know, when you met, it was a recipe, you got to have certain ingredients, right? And uh, 
Lynn's sister, her youngest sister, she, was, she got a brownie recipe. She wanted to make brownies, you know, and it said mix by hand. She goes out into the kitchen. She's literally in there with her hands mixing that. You'll get it someday. She thought her literal hand, okay? Now, you can have the best recipe in the world, but if there's a missing ingredient, something's not quite right with it. <laughs> What's the truth, isn't it? The biggest thing that we do not, the, missing, the best ingredient that we could have is the ingredient of faith in our lives. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. It took a while to sink in, but it did. Didn't it? <laughs> so today, he says, if you hear God's voice, don't harden your hearts. Amen. Thank you, Lord. See, faith will, faith will give you an attitude. A good attitude. It'll be like, I can tell when someone's listening to me by faith because they're on the edge of their seat. They're like, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, when I go to a sports event, I'm on the edge of my seat. I'm just, I'm waiting for that next touchdown or field goal or whatever, you know what I'm saying, or goal. But when you hear, see, not everybody that hears, hears with faith. That's all of us here. I can be speaking the best words that you ever heard in your life, but if you don't mix faith with it, it won't profit you. It'll be like, that was a nice sermon. What do you preach on? I don't know. It was good, though. You know, you know what I'm saying? The Word of God, the Word of God is meant to be believed and acted upon. How do you know if you believe something? You have joy. We which have believed... To enter into rest. <laughs> rest. Rest. Sometimes the Holy Ghost would convict me in a good way. You know, conviction's a good thing. He said, Keith, if you were really believing me, you wouldn't be all wound up right now. Like a top, all wound up. Short tempered, short fuse. Amen. Just being honest now. Because if you're in fear, that's the opposite of faith. When you're afraid, you get tense. When you're afraid, you get short with people. You get impatient with people when you're afraid. Is this helping anybody this morning? It's a sign to show us that we're not really at rest and at peace. Now, we can change that. That's the good thing. We're not just trying to point out a fault here. We're trying to say... We can change that because you're look, yours truly. I've been there so many times. I like more than I like to think, but I'm learning. One thing about this boy, Pastor Keith, is I'm learning, and I'll continue to learn. And if I make a mistake, I want to learn from that mistake so that I won't go back and do that again. Because you're looking at someone that used to be a world champion warrior. I'm not kidding you. But I don't want to be that way because God has not given me the spirit of fear but of power and of love and a sound mind. Praise God. See, I'm a better husband when I'm not in fear. I'm a better father when I'm not in fear. I'm a better pastor when I'm not afraid because I'm not letting outward circumstances control 
me. So many people are controlled by the numbers, by the money, by this, by that. You can't be moved by that kind of stuff. You've got to be moved by what God said. And when I believe what God said and believe what God said alone, I can have great peace. And I can lay my head back on the pillow at night and say, Thank you, Father. I trust you. I trust you tonight. Everything's going to work out. I do that all the time. Amen. And it's so much better because you can enjoy things. So don't think it's strange if you're facing adversity like consequences or, or that's, that's the wrong word, but circumstances lined up against you like it's not working. The devil's like, it ain't working. And this year and then this year, it ain't working. It ain't working. Just tell him, shut up, it is working. Do you ever have to tell your kids to shut up? I need to hear something. <laughs> Especially when they're real young. You know, be quiet. <laughs> the word that is preached to us will profit us. If we mix faith with it, we mix faith with the Word of God, the promises of God. I am healed today by the stripes of Jesus, all because, not because I feel anything, it because it is written in the Word of God. Mm. It is written by His stripes, I am healed. End of argument. So when I wake up in the morning, I don't ask my body, body, how do you feel today? Well, we don't go there. Because my body's subject to change. If I'm, if I'm having, I'm not having any symptoms in my body, but if I'm having a pain or a symptom on my body, I say, I'm not moved by that. I believe what God's Word says by His stripes. I am healed. Whew. Hallelujah. And the same salvation that you got born again and you said with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, is the same salvation through your mouth when you say, I am healed by the stripes of Jesus. Well, pastor, that sounds like I'm lying. No, you're not lying. You're calling things that be not as though they were. Now, sometimes people can have a confession, but it's coming out of their head, not out of their heart. And that's where sometimes people get confused. They think, dear God, I heard them confessing the word of God. I heard them speaking God, saying God's word in front of everybody, and they're not here anymore or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Well, listen, you can say things out of your head. A parrot can repeat something. I've heard, you ever hear a parrot repeat something? We went on this vacation a couple of years ago. We walked into this room. This parrot started talking to us. I was ready to cast the devil out or something, you know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> it was loud, man. It was really loud. And, um, but people can say things, but it's not connected to their heart. But when you connect your heart with your mouth instead of your head with your mouth, oh, there's power that's coming out of there. That's why meditation is so darn important. Pardon me for that expression. That's why it's so important. It's so, sometimes I try to bring a point across. It's absolutely so important, your inward conversations that you have. And I'll just close with this. You know, the, one, of the, the other, the, one of the gospels that talked about the woman with the issue of blood, Mark says, for she said, if I'm about to touch his clothes, I shall behold. You know what I mean? 
I don't, I don't know if it's Luke or one of the Gospels says, she said within herself, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. She said within herself, she had an inward dialogue going on all the time, if I can just get to him, if I can just touch him, I'll be healed, I'll be whole, I'll be whole. If I can just touch him, I'll be healed. All of you have an inward dialogue, okay? Start channeling that towards the things of God and start meditating, chewing, Laying down to bed at night. When I get up in the middle of the night, I'm meditating on the Word of God. I mean, I lay, sometimes at 4 o'clock in the morning, I'll get up. And um, that happened last night, in fact. I'm preaching to myself. My wife's laying there sound asleep. And I'm, in, my, in my spirit, I'm preaching to myself. Glory to God. Some of the stuff I share today. But I'm preaching that to myself. I'm meditating on the Word of God. The inward dialogue. And if you... Uh, Okay, thank you, Lord. Faith, here's the, here's the conclusion of this today. Here's what the Lord's bringing us to. If you have an inward dialogue going on with the Lord, it won't be so hard to receive from God. It's when you don't have that inward meditation going on. Like David said, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. He didn't just say the words of my mouth. He said the meditation of my heart and the words of my mouth. Okay? So, go to bed tonight with 1 Peter 2.24. Say, who'd you go to bed with tonight? 1 Peter 2.24. They'll look at you like, what side of the ship did you get off on? You know what I'm saying? It doesn't matter. You know what I mean? When you go to bed with 1 Peter 2.24, you go to bed with Matthew 8.17. That it might be fulfilled that which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet saying himself took my infirmities and bare my sicknesses in 1 Peter 2.24 and by his stripes I am healed. See, I've, that's in my heart. I didn't read that. That's, I did initially, but it's in my heart. It's in my heart. And I praise God for it. The Bible says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Hallelujah. I'll tell you, this will wipe out boredom in your life. You'll never be bored another day in your life. Christianity is never meant to be mundane. It's meant to be thrilling and excited and supernatural. My God, the fact that I can pray in other tongues. Man. Supernatural language. I didn't go to college to figure that out. I'm not a linguist. I barely know English. <laughs> but when you get filled with the Holy Ghost and you can pray in a tongue, let's pray in the Spirit right now. Ilan dan gresto to rozdiske bal me mendo rosko dobre bed beleve gtnma mohoge limingleke de basutre city bevel bakraso do krasadiche piabaka soza 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 mati sosta mele papalmo doze bebre de bebe bebe be haleluya 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 Oh, thank you, Lord. Namamene ni momoboko. Shavala baba bala kurumana maraka. 
Yes, Father God. Yes, Father God. Mambo bobo bo sie brad ba krasadi vere bam bam brand mamma. It's my kia. It's my kia to. Ay 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 ay. Masubre, masubreda. Mamma na karabesa sia kaka. Praise your Father. Praise your Father. It's my desire. It's my desire, saith the Lord, that you be not headstrong. For there's very, very limited power within your head. It's my heart's desire, saith the Lord, that you be heart strong, that your heart be rooted and grounded in the things of my word, and that my word lodge deep inside your heart, in your spirit, which is the real you. For when my, heart, for when my word lodges deep within you, then that which is deep will call forth that which is deep. That is me. And I, you will bring forth, you will bring forth those things that you desire to see. So meditate, ponder, imagine, meditate upon my word. For my word is life to those that find it. And it's health and healing to all their flesh. So meditate upon my word. Speak my word. Occupy your time with putting my word inside your heart and in your mind, saith the Lord. For there will be great rewards that will come forth as a result of you doing this. There is no lost time. Yea, there is no wasted time when you put my word into your life and into your heart and mind. For my word will produce and it's been meant to bring forth fruit in your life and that your fruit should Remain, saith the Lord. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You got something, brother? Where you see there's been a stirring in the spirit, saith the Lord. Where you choose to release other tongues, which ignites. Yes. Spirit to move. For I will say unto you, have you considered my servant Peter, the one who walked on the water? Yes. The one who walked back to the boat with me. The one that made the initiative to step out. For you see, he was with the other twelve. Yes. But he was the one that made the choice. Yes. For you see, my servant Peter was the one who had the revelation that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Yes. He was the one that had the revelation yes. out of yes. all the twelve, a greater yes. revelation than those. For you see, even when I took him on the mountain of transfiguration, it was yes. Peter, James, and John. Yes. And even yes. in my word, I've declared him yes. first. And I've even declared this upon the yes. statement that when yes. he made yes. that thou was the Christ, I says upon this rock. I will build my church. For you see, his house was founded upon the rock. And when the winds and the waves beat upon that house, he stood. Even on the day of yes. temptation, when the pressure was upon him, when he was going to deny me, yes. and did deny me as I prophesied, he was still founded upon a rock. 
Yes. You see, even though he fell, I upheld him with my right hand. Yes. For you yes. see, he was the one that had the revelation. He was the one that walked forth, even in the time of the resurrection after Mary Magdalene declared, he is risen, it was my servant Peter that ran to the grave. Thank you, Lord. Because he had the revelation that I was to Christ. For you see, it's founded upon my word. And that personal revelation, yes, saith the Lord, within your heart, that I make myself manifest and alive to you. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. Oh, we worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. Thank you for that, Lord. Let's worship him with our mouth out right now. Glory to God. Glory to God. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Praise you, Lord. Yeah. 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 Yes, and it was my servant who wrote. See it not that it's not strange that these things are happening to you. For you see, he was the one that was through the fiery the fiery test and the fiery trial. Yes, yes. And he wrote by inspiration, says the Lord. Because he knew what it was to walk yes. close with me. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And, you know, here, let me just say this. Uh, we're, we're in this flow here, you know, like this. This is supernatural. Do you know that? This isn't just natural. <laughs> this is supernatural. Okay. We shouldn't think it's strange that God wants to talk to us. Okay? God is more eager to talk to us than we even want Him to talk to us. Okay? Oh, hallelujah. That's an expectation. My expectation comes from Him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And today, if we hear, we heard His voice today, amen, we will not harden our hearts. We just say, yes, Lord. Yes, sir. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thanks. That's one thing I so appreciate about some of the military people. It's like, yes, sir. I, when I worked in, in a fort, used to work in Fort Hood, Colleen, Texas, and one thing I so respected about her, the military, that was the Army down there, is the amount of respect that those, those young men showed. Because they're taught that. They're taught... And they just strip rebellion out of you, man. And you get in there and they teach you about authority and respect. You know what I mean? That's the kind of respect that we need. When someone treats you like that, when, we, when, they, when you treat them with, when they treat you with respect, you want to give them your best. If we treat God with utmost respect, He wants to give us. It, it bothers me when people talk about God as the man upstairs. Yeah. That's despicable. He's not the man upstairs trying to sound cool. Are you kidding me? He's not the man upstairs, you know. He's Abba Father. He's God. Amen. And when we show respect to Him and we honor Him, then He just He loves to flood us with His best and His goodness. Praise the Lord. Lynn, you will close us in prayer this morning. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah, that was so rich. Praise God, man.
Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Oh, man, I'm telling you, we're right on the edge of some things spiritually. My goodness. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Just your presence in this room right now. God's moving things in your lives and changing things and helping you. And uh, just the revelation that, that came forth through the, the words at the end. My goodness. Wow. Wow. That is so awesome. Thank you, Lord. Revelation like never before, never before. Father, I pray right now over all the saints, and I thank you, Lord, that they belong to you, that their names are written. Their names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Their names are written in the, in the Lamb's book of life. And because of that, they have your name at their disposal whenever they need to use the name of Jesus. Now, Father, I pray for a new boldness upon your children today, Father. I pray a holy boldness, Father God, that will rise up and will use the authority in which you've given us in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Father God, for a new revelation, a greater revelation of the name and the authority of the name of Jesus. That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every knee will bow, and every tongue confess woo, that, er, that Jesus Christ is Lord. Let's say that together. Jesus Christ is Lord. One more time. Jesus Christ is Lord. Hallelujah. I just encourage you this week to, to uh, step out and to start to use the authority that we have in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 You are a, a, a walking miracle, young lady. <laughs> Patty, you are you're a walking miracle. This, this woman, I'm telling you, the healing power of God has sustained you and will continue to sustain you all the days of your life. You've, you've my, 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 you've, you've done so much for the kingdom of God, so much for the kingdom of God, so much for the kingdom. And God is pleased with you, Patty. Faithful. Talk about obstacles. Obstacles that she's had to overcome. She's still here walking with the Lord. It's, to me, it's amazing to me. She literally, her and Peg went to school wearing burlap sacks. To school. But, but look where God's brought you. Oh, my goodness. She's seen all of her brothers who were really not in a good way coming to know Jesus. God turned their course. They were straight going to hell. But because of you, your faithfulness, the Lord wants to bless you today, Patty. You were faithful to pray for them. And now they're going to heaven. And not, they're now in heaven. Look at that. Your sister right beside you. 
going to heaven because of you. And, and I could say that about everyone in here because you've been faithful, faithful. You've been faithful. Well, now God is rewarding. God's lifting. That, that's what we're on the edge of. We're on the edge, I'm telling you. We're on the edge of God lifting us up and exalting us in the right manner where there's new revelation, there's new authority, there's new boldness, and those things that held us back aren't going to hold us back. Amen. And we're going to all turn around, Pastor Dan. We're going to lay hands on Billy as surgery this week. Let's extend our faith. Because if that was you, you would want, uh, you would want people to put your uh, attention upon this. If you were having surgery, God meets us where we're at. And he wants Bill delivered in the name of Jesus. We release the anointing, the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God right now into Brother Bill right now. Thank you, Lord, for making the crooked places straight. And we release healing, health into his body right now. Restoration, Father with a capital R, restoration over his body right now. Every cell in his body in Jesus' name, every artery, every blood vessel, restoration in Jesus' name right now. Hallelujah. We plead the blood of Jesus over the surgery, Father God. We thank you for your anointing upon the surgeons, upon the attendants, upon all that are involved in the surgery, Father. We thank you for the right amount of anesthetic. We thank you for your healing, Father. We thank you for a quick recovery. We thank you right now for your your hand upon this time. We thank you. There'll be no complications in Jesus' name. We thank you, Father, for your peace upon Bill. We thank you, Father God, for you showing yourself strong to Bill. And we thank you, Father God, that even the doctors will be amazed at how smoothly things run. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we bless him. We bless him. Praise God. Praise God. We praise you, Father, right now. Thank you, Lord. We release the blessing right now over Brother Bill right now, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord, for this precious family right now, Father. This is an anointed family, God, and we thank you for them. We thank you for them, Father. Praise God. Praise God. Well, let's thank the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise God.